are about to step between the ropes and rumble with the guys from Call It On Air podcast. So don't forget to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and share the podcast. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of Call It On Air. This is Dustin, and you are joined by our in-ring psychologist, Caden, and the fugitive, Nathan Strange. I didn't, we have an interest. What? I didn't know Caden got his doctorate as a psychologist, but okay. Yeah, yeah, I did that one day. Yeah, yes. Okay, nice. Nice. <laughs> I mean, just, you know, you got time off with this whole Corona yeah, thing. Yeah, why not? why not? What is your first memory of wrestling? Uh, who, you, who do you want to go first here? Like <laughs> Exactly. Who are you talking to? Me? <laughs> well, I was giving y'all a little time to realize what, what was your favorite or first memory of, of wrestling. But I guess Caden can All go right, first. So, Since he's a psychologist. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. yes. Um, tell me how you really feel. Um um no i i don't remember how old i was um but how old are you now? i don't know that either um but anyway um <laughs> i was really young um four five six first memories you know anything really um going downtown lynchburg uh virginia to uh city omri um with my grandparents on friday nights um, I remember walking in there the first time and seeing, um, seeing the ring set up and I was just in awe, you know, like it was a crazy night, crazy night. And it, it was fun. Um, it's one of those things I, I never forgot. All right. Fugitive, you want to go next? Well, I mean, I'm the only one left besides you. So yeah, I guess it's my turn. Um, my first memory of it is kind of, you know, it's not of actually, seeing wrestling because but kind of like Caden was saying my love of wrestling come from my grandparents but my first real memory of wrestling I was probably like five or six as well and over at their house and they both loved watching wrestling but they couldn't watch it in the same room because they would argue back and forth because my grandfather was for you know the bad guys with the heels and my grandmother was for you know the good guys with the baby so Oh, they would start off watching together and they would get to arguing and yelling back and forth with each other so much that they had to go in separate rooms while wrestling was on. And I just remember, you know, sitting there with them watching it, watching the wrestling on TV, watching them get worked up about it to the point that they had to separate and go to opposite ends of the damn house. And just <laughs> something about that stuck in my head go, this is cool. I like this. <laughs> so that's kind of where the seed started i mean i had interactions with wrestling before that which is probably going to be the next question but um i don't really recall much of that uh, that's the that's the first memory that kind of actually stands out in my scrambled egg brains now which who was working when they had to separate i don't is my question i don't remember but i do know i mean <laughs> oh what they always watch was the end of a mental at crockett stuff so it's whoever was working for those territories in the mid eighties. And I guess for me, it would be my, my great uncle going over to his house with my grandfather 
and he always watched wrestling, and he always enjoyed the midget wrestling or little people wrestling, whatever you want to call it. That that was my first memory, but I like y'all. I I remember coming over to my grandparents' house after they finally got cable, and my grandma yelling at the TV <laughs> because WCW was on, and I I want to say it was something like the Rock and Roll Express or something. And I think they were putting the heat on uh, Ricky Morton as usual, and she was just yelling at the TV. She, you'd actually get to getting her cussing at the TV. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah. Wrap that motherfucker's chicken. <laughs> no, I think it, it was it was it was some more GD stuff <laughs> and stuff like that. You hit him with the goddamn racket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I think it was even threats of murder involved in that too. But... Somebody doing something right. Yeah, yeah. Next question is your first live event you ever went to as a fan or a worker. I know Caden had said he went to the, the armory downtown Lynchburg with his grandparents. You remember anything else about it other than just being memorized by the, the ring? Um, one story that I remember, um, and I, for the life of me, cannot remember his name. Um, he was doing a ninja gimmick. And I remember, and this was from this night, you know, and I've got other memories from, you know, more and more of like going down to Salem or whatever. But anyway, this guy, he just constantly would pull, like the referee was giving him his check before the match. He found a star over here, found nunchucks here. And he just, they played and worked that for, I don't even remember how long. I just remember it was taking forever. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, now seeing the things the way it is now, I'm like, why didn't I think of some shit like that? But that that's called working the time clock, and that wrestler's name. Was <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, God damn, I knew you was old, Dustin, but shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was a cool memory that I'll never forget about that. Um, uh, let's see. Seeing Wahoo come out in the in the headdress, um, you know, um, that was pretty cool. Um, I think it was around that time. Was that him? Fuck, I don't know. But anyway, um, you know, just just some different things like that. Fugitive, what you got? Um, again, it's probably not the first live event I remember going to, but it's the first live event that I actually went to that I know of. Because my um, a dad and uncle took me, and we went to um, a Starcade '84 down in Greensboro. All right. Which I was like four years old, so I have no memories of it. But I have a picture somewhere of Ric Flair holding me, you know, and he's wearing the full, you know, the, the full robe and everything, and sitting there holding me. Uh, and I got a Polaroid of that. But you know, so probably cost you fifteen bucks. It cost me shit. Cost my dad. But, you know, that's the, the a first live event that I know that I actually went to, which I guess that's a pretty good one since, you know, had Flair and Rhodes and Wahoo and Tully, you know, all the good ones. See, this is a tough one for me because I didn't prepare. But uh, I think the first one I can remember going to would be the Lynchburg Armory 
and it was the WCW boys because uh, I remember afterwards we met Mick Foley, and he was just super nice, and and he was the be- he was the heel then, but he was just super nice. It was when him and Sting were feuding because he had like a T-shirt of Sting on with some of the teeth blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's the first one I remember going to as a fan, and and I honestly couldn't tell you the first one I went to as a actual worker. For me, it was probably I don't know. It it may have been about the time that uh, I went to SummerSlam. I I don't remember. Uh, now are we, I mean, are we talking about the first live event we went to as a worker and worked on it, or the first live event we went to after we were a worker? But the but that show was. Just as a fan, I'm thinking about worker worker. You know, if you're going yeah, to work, you uh, know. On that note, on, on that note, I mean, once I started actually wrestling, I never went to another wrestling show again unless I was working on it. I stopped going to shows unless I was actually booked on the damn show. So after I started wrestling, there were no more live events as a fan for me. Yeah, once I started wrestling. I did not pay to go to another restaurant. Yeah, and I damn sure didn't just show up and hope I got booked. I hated the motherfuckers that did that. And I saw it early on. I was like, I don't care how desperate I get. I'm never going to do that. If I'm not booked, I'm not showing up. Well, I mean, it, for me, it was more going to shows to see, you know, the people I was a fan of still more so than it was going to an indie show. And paying to see an indie show versus yeah. Um, yeah. anything I went to was ROH, um, TNA, WWE, etc. I guess the first live event for me after I started working was, well, it was kind of a transition because I went to like a local indie show down in Alta Vista, Virginia that I heard about. And I was like, well, hell, it's 15 minutes from my house. I'm going to go and watch this. And I should, you know, so I paid as a fan, went in to watch the show and just kind of like during intermission got to talking to some of the people running the show and everything and ended up after afterwards, I got to help kind of break the ring down or take it down and everything. So I kind of, the show started off, I went as a fan and by the end of it, I ended up on the ring crew, which is great for them because they didn't have to pay me shit, you know, so. Free labor and free and recruit for them, so that was nice. But uh, you know, I at least got to go out to eat with them all afterwards, which you know, for a seventeen-year-old kid was pretty damn cool. Yeah, I got to eat chili beans with Nikita Koloff, so that's a plus. Chili beans. I just had some chili beans yeah. actually. It was that. Uh, I didn't see no Nikita with yeah. me though. Yeah, I don't think he's still down at Chef's Drive-In, but which is where we went. <laughs> As a worker, I, uh, it all blurs together for me. It's just pieces of different matches over the years. I, I don't remember. I have to sit down and think about just if you say a, a town, I, I have to sit down and think about, you know, what's the building look like and this and that to even remember certain matches. So I, I have no idea. I, 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 I had to ask one of y'all every damn time I was going to a town, you know. I'd say, hey, how we get there? Y'all be like, we've been there for five fucking years. How do you not remember how to get there? I'm like, it's just one long skid mark for me. I don't know, you know. I need some details, and then I can find it. But if you just give me the town name, I ain't got a chance in hell of getting there. GPS. 
Um, for me, I didn't have that then. <laughs> I think I still have the old Road Atlas book somewhere around here, too. <laughs> We're still trying to figure out how to go about this next question. Should we approach it as a fan or a worker? I think both sides are the same. We become workers because we were fans. Well, I mean, I, I see that point, but, you know, I also look at it at the side of what they've done for the business, what I enjoyed. Like, and to me, you know, some of the people I didn't necessarily enjoy that other people love contributed so much to the business. And I have to, you know, I have to. Well, no, yeah. Yeah. What what four guys would you put on your route, Mount Rushmore? And if you put Hogan or Flair or somebody like that up there, you, you're, you're disqualified. Because <laughs> that's I mean, what I was getting ready to say. I, I, you know, I was getting ready to say, should we tell the two people that are listening to this what the question is before we go in to deconstructing the damn question? Because right. it's probably going to be confusing as hell anyway. It's your Mount Rushmore. You construct it how you All want right. to. So, from. Just for no me, Hogan or Flair. Um, growing up, um, I watched a lot of Dusty Rhodes. Um, if you will, if you will, and so he would have to be one of the one of one of the guys on there. Two, um, I've watched a lot of Kurt Angle, um, and I have enjoyed almost anything he's done anywhere he's been. Um, you know, whether it's being goofy serious matches, the matches he can hold with certain talent, um, and being able to just entertain at an overall level. You know, this one is is a is one of those ones where, you know, I, I thought about it and for me the Undertaker, um, just what he's done and how long he's been in the business and uh you know, the stories you hear about what he's done in the locker room and just the entertainment factor of all the years that I've been able to watch him. Um, then the, the fourth and final, even though, you know, I say this is the final one, but you know, I, you know, stone cold because, and the reason I say stone cold is this, there was a point where I was about to not even start watching wrestling anymore. Right around the time he came around and really kicked me back into doing and, and, and watching again. Um, you know, one of those things where, you know, like you get drawn back in by something that that's just so entertaining and, you know, it's, it just captivates you and, and you fall in love all over again. And there's many more names on that list that, that, that are older, um, that, you know, that I, that I do recognize that, you know, were great for the business, uh, you know, the funks. Harley Race, Antonio Inoki from Japan, um, you know, and just so many people that, you know, that that as a as a whole, I found later in my watching of tapes and, and, and being a fan more so than these people are the ones that kept me and in, in, in whatever when I was not really in a transition period of Am I going to love this forever, or what am I going to do here? All right, next up is the old fugitive. Who you got? Um, how I approach it at first, because a whole lot of people look at it as the, their Mount their Mount Rushmore of wrestling is just uh, their uh, four current favorite wrestlers, basically, at that point in time. 
But in my head, I was like, well, that's not necessarily the point of Mount Rushmore. Like Mount Rushmore isn't the four most favorite presidents and everything. It's like the four pretty much four most influential presidents. Like that they each put forth something else to kind of help build the country. Like Washington, he was the original founding father, basically. And Jefferson helped lay the structure and put in, you know, put in the work to build the structure of the country. And Roosevelt was like a leader and a workhorse, just got down in the trenches and just fucking worked his ass off. And then and a hunter. What? He was also a great hunter. Yeah, yeah. He killed a lot of shit. <laughs> um and Link Claim he even saw a Bigfoot. His probably just way deep in the jungles of that. Or high as a kite, a whole lot of them was back then. <laughs> but um and then Lincoln was kind of the um a great talker. And, and gave speeches that kind of drew everybody together and kind of kind of held the country together while it was falling apart. So when I first started trying to approach my mushroom of wrestling, you know, I was trying to find people that fit all of those criteria, like, you know, the founding father, the, you know, the, the workhorse, the, the great talker and everything like that. And I think I almost got it there, but then I just kind of got to the point where I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to start, you know, picking people because – it was too much work. I ain't been in school in a long time and I didn't want to do homework. So I tried to just do wrestlers, just a single wrestlers and workers, but you have the managers who should be on here, like Cornette and the Hayman. promoters. Yeah. You know, the promoters who should be on here, like, you know, Crockett and Ganya, yeah. um, you know, Watts. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the like old, old school uh, wrestlers like uh, Gotch and Hackenschmidt. Or the tag teams, like, you know, the Road Warriors or the Midnight Express. But I try to basically just stick to those main criteria. And so for, like, an original founder that kind of helped build some of it, you know, I'm going to have honorable mentions for each of these because, again, I couldn't narrow it down and I got tired of trying. So the honorable mentions for that category would be Freddie Blassie and Randy Savage. But the one I picked was Terry Funk because he just he had such longevity and wherever he went, he always reinvented himself to be able to fit in there. But no matter how much he reinvented himself, he was still Terry Funk. Like you could still see Terry Funk wherever he was at, you know, the old territories down in Texas in the NWA in WCW in Japan in ECW, even in WWF as Chainsaw Charlie. He was still Terry Funk even though he fit into his surroundings. So that's my one to fill the Washington position. Uh, the one for Jefferson, that kind of, you know, got down in there and helped lay the groundwork and just worked to build it. Honorable mentions are Arn Anderson and Ricky Steamboat. But I went with uh, Mr. Tully Blanchett because he could work his ass off. And again, Kind of backtracking a bit. Um, I noticed the ones I ended up picking all kind of did shit their own way, whether it was for good or for bad. They kind of went in there and worked how they wanted to work, did what they wanted to do. If they didn't like something the promoter was doing, they told them to fuck off. And it may not have been great for their career, but they kind of stuck to their guns and stayed true to themselves the whole time. So but that was another criteria. But anyway... Like I said, for the Jefferson position, I picked Mr. Tully Blanchett because he could just work his ass off 
And he told them to fuck off, basically, if they didn't like what he was doing. Uh, the workhorse position for Roosevelt, this was the hardest one I could try to figure out. Uh, the honorable mentions are Wahoo McDaniel and Bruiser Brody. But I ended up picking the Russian nightmare Nikita Koloff. Just because he was a huge part of my childhood. You know, like, he's one of the first ones I remember that really kind of captivated me and, like, caught my attention and shit. And he just... And you got to eat chili beans. Oh, yes. I mean, that's an added bonus. Got to eat chili beans, too. Luckily, he didn't hit me with the Russian sickle, which was a, you know, a bonus. But then for the Lincoln position, there was, you know, the great talker who would go out there and give a speech and kind of pull everybody together and hold shit together. Um, don't really have two honorable mentions on this one, but the one is um, Mr. Dusty Rhodes. But the one I ended up picking was CM Punk, just because he was the first one in a long time who kind of did what he wanted to do. If he saw a problem with something, he went out there and said there was a problem with something. And when he said he was going to do something, he did it. You know, he, he told Vince, you don't fix the shit, I'm leaving. Vince didn't fix the shit, and he said, fuck it, I'm leaving. And so far, he stuck to his guns. So that's my fault. Terry Funk, Tully Blanchett, Nikita Koloff, and CM Punk. Huh. CM Punk. Yeah, like I said, he was the first one, you know, like, you know because it had been a long time for anybody just kind of went out there and said what they wanted to say to the point of pretty much, you know, they didn't care what the blowback would be on it. On and he own. was one of my honorable mentions, sort of, you know, um, almost made the list too, just because he was fun to watch. Yeah. He could work his ass off. He was a hell of a promo. Yeah. And again, he stuck to his guns. Yeah. If he saw something he didn't like or didn't want to do, he said, fuck it, I'm not doing it. And if it impacted his career, he still didn't back down from it. And that's something I admire on all the wrestlers. Like, stick to your damn guns. If you say you're going to do something, do it. If you say you're not going to do something, then don't do it. I tried to do that my whole career. I don't think I went back on anything except except one time, and it wasn't my fault. It was Caden's fault because I, I swore I would never work a show in the backyard. <laughs> and, I, and I let Caden book a show for me, and it was in the backyard. Well, so you know. <laughs> Glad I want a part of that one. Yeah, we got down the damn ring was sitting beside a tree to where you couldn't hit one side of the damn ring because you'd hit the fucking tree. <laughs> Did you work the well, show? I rode down there with Clyde, so it's not like I could walk two states back home. Uh, so yeah, we worked. At the least show. you know we were able to work each other and not you know have to be in a situation where you know more bodily damage could be done by untrained people than you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, I think I told Caden. I said, if we're not working each other, I'm not working this damn yeah. show. I'll sit in the fucking yeah. car. <laughs> I was like, so either we work each other or I'm going to be, you know, chilling in the back seat for a few hours. I think we we kind of maybe worked that out before we even got down there anyway. But... I don't remember the details. Yeah, I don't either. I just remember. I just remember. I remember being pissed. Yeah. We got dressed in the shed. <laughs> And the girls got to dress in the basement of the house, but the basement was like partially flooded and the walls was covered in action figures. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, cameras. Cameras, so. yeah. But other than that, I think I stuck by my guns, even if it did, you know, piss the promoters off <laughs> and end up costing me bookings. I was like, fuck it. You know, I'm good. I don't know. So 
I think I kind of admire that in other workers, which is kind of helped tailor who I picked a whole lot. Because if you look back, all the ones I picked kind of did their own shit their own way. All right. I guess I'm the last one here. Uh, my Mount Rushmore would be Kurt Henning because I, I think he's very underrated. Uh, he's He was a good worker. Uh, Regal. Uh, again, underrated. He was a good worker. I mean, come up a hard way from England and all. Blackpool, wherever he's from. Uh, Billy Gunn is another one. I think he was very underrated. He's, he's a good worker. Can perform very well. And the last one would be the big boss man. He was a good worker and, and was able to, you know, bring the crowd in when he had to actually – Twirling that nightstick and and stuff like that, I'd, and I, you listen to some the some of the stories that go back to where you know when he first broke in and what somebody slammed his hand in the door and he he no sold it because he was portrayed as a a badass you know bodyguard for Cornette. Yeah, I was. You know, I mean, that's something I was gonna say was I think his time as Big Bubba was you know is often overlooked because he was more mainstream is big boss man but you know his run in nwa was legit you know again as a bodyguard for cornet it was a perfect fit and he sold it and worked it to a t the first three spots were were pretty easy for me it's just that fourth one to fill uh i'd actually you know uh sherry martell uh, Threw her name in there because I mean she did a she works better than some of the guys. Oh, today. by far. Oh, uh, let's see. I'm not afraid to say that she worked better than I do. What <laughs> did? And it, 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 you know, Alex Shelley, uh, his stuff with the machine guns. I was, I always like that. That fourth spot is very hard to fill because of, of a lot of the choices that you know. You can tell a worker. Or you can tell if they're just there running through the shit. And I think we all took different approaches so. to this. Gave us a history lesson and made, <laughs> made me want to go throw tea in the ocean. Um, but then, uh, whatever. It was a bay. Big ass body of water. And um, uh, <laughs> um, anyway, um, I took it as more of like what I seen as a fan. And Dustin took it more of what influenced him. It was kind of like, hey, I right. would like to work these guys too. Yeah, I'd love to. But that's my. And I'll just say, you know, I love that's... to work a punk or Tully, but damn, Funk would probably kill me. And I know Nikita would. Well, what? Nikita's a, a yeah. priest now, isn't he? Or... Yeah. Because yeah. later on, once I started wrestling, I was on another show with him where he, you know, I think it was a fundraiser for his church or somewhere along the way, something like that. So. So he was there signing autographs and taking pictures and everything as a pastor. But I don't believe he had gotten into the pastor part on the original show where I, where I ended up working Marine Crew and eating chili beans. If he was, it wasn't as well known at that point anyway. Because that would have been 97, 98, somewhere around in there probably. Dang, you're old. Old as dirt and twice as nasty. I think Caden was right where oh, we all took different approaches and everything to it. And I don't think we copied anything either. So I think that's pretty I think good. the only copy was the Dusty Rhodes. Um, me and you both said Dusty, but other than that, everything was different. Yeah. 
Yeah. I had to put him in there as a great talker because, you know, if nothing else, he could go in a ring and talk for 10 minutes and everybody would still be fucking right. happy and entertained and, and go home going down. was a great damn One show. of my best memories with him is uh, actually here in Salem, um, Virginia, where um, I was probably 12, 13, um, came down to the Civic Center here. Um, and he actually wrestled Ric Flair in a steel cage. And, um, you know, the whole big, uh, big schmoz at the end and, um, everybody bleeding and carrying on and, you know, all the, the heels running away from the fans, trying not to get killed and, you know, good times, good times. <laughs> as it should be, <laughs> as it should be. All right. Well, let's throw a curveball at you and we're going to put a fifth head on the route Mount Rushmore here, like a, a Donald Trump. Currently, who would be the fifth person that is a non-wrestler? They are a promoter or a manager. Who would that fifth person be? You said promoter okay. or manager? Um, Correct. You know, just because he didn't make my first list, um, I'm going to say, uh, no, I'm going to say. Bruiser Graham. <laughs> um, Antonio, <laughs> Double trouble. Antonio Inoki from Japan. Um <laughs> You know, just being being the worker that he was, A, and B, um, you know, working with New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, something that I'm a huge fan of even to, to this day, um, you know, and just the influence he's had in Japanese, you know, wrestling. And he, that's that's got to be my fifth person. All right. Fugitive. Oh, damn. See, I did homework. I have two pages of notes. <laughs> And, and you fucked me with the fifth here. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that our new porno movie here? I thought this is an audio only podcast. Fucked him. You fucked him with the fifth head. Fucked him with the fifth head. It probably sounds something like this. <laughs> but, um,. I don't know, you know. Promoter, I would have to put a Jim Crockett because if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't be a wrestling fan because, I mean, I literally grew up on his wrestling and his wrestling on. Like, I didn't know anything about the damn WWF until I was a lot old. Like, my childhood was NWA Mid-Atlantic, Crockett Wrestling. So if I was going to put a promoter, it'd be him. But, I mean, manager-wise... You got to put Jim Cornette. Yeah, absolutely. Like he's, I mean, to me, he was the best heel manager ever. Like, you know, I, I know a whole lot of people who go further back and say Bobby Heenan or a Jimmy Hart or something, but my uh, my real only exposure to Jimmy Hart until I was a lot older was his run in WCW where he was just kind of a caricature of himself. And Again, I didn't get into anything that had Bobby Heenan in it until I was a lot older. But my childhood, Jim Cornette was the pinnacle of the hill manager, and he did his damn job to a T. He got everybody so pissed off, they wanted to fucking kill him. And they paid their damn money to come see their fan favorites to kill him. I absolutely ass. agree with that. And, I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. He got people to part with their damn money that they worked their ass off of. Just for the... Slight chance 
they they'll see him get the shit kicked out of him. And let's we we got at least throw an honorable mention out there for Paul Heyman. I mean, you exactly. know, he's his you name's got to be said. So, you know, yeah, because he kind of bridges the gap of promoter right. and manager, right? You know, because if it uh, uh, kind of like how um, Caden was saying that Stone Cold kind of brought his love of wrestling back. After NWA transitioned to WCW, I started kind of losing interest because it started kind of getting more cartoony. By that point, I had been exposed to the WWF, but they were still the cartoony era of all of the hockey players and garbage men and shit like that, (laughs) which did nothing to keep my attention. And then WCW started fucking going that direction. So I kind of... I kept up with WCW enough just to pay attention, but I lost a lot of my love for it until I stumbled across ECW on like the damn Sunshine Network on Prime Star, like two or three o'clock in the morning. And that kind of checked all the boxes because, yeah, they're more known for the extreme wrestling now, but they still had some great old school fucking wrestling matches on there. There was just workers working their ass off. And at that point, I was a young teenager. So you get half-naked women and lots of violence mixed with the old-school wrestling that I used to love. That brought my damn love of wrestling right back. So as much as Crockett formed my childhood, Heyman kind of kept the love alive long enough for me to reach adulthood to be able to do it myself. So he definitely needs to be mentioned in there as well. See, for me, it's down to two. It's either Jim Cornette or Bobby Heenan. Jim Cornette, his views on wrestling and the things he's done, I pretty much agree with. And then Bobby Heenan was just, uh, it was something about him that he just caught your attention, whether he was the heel manager, whether he was the heel commentator. He caught your attention. He he got you interested. Most of the time, he had me (laughs) laughing. So it'd be a, a, a coin toss for which one of them would be the fifth person. So what what would you say if you looked more towards the line of like announcer? With is you know like Mean Gene? You think Mean Gene goes on? No, Heenan. No, I'm talking about as an announcer. I'm not tracking there. We mean announcer. No, I mean like you know like a interviewer or you know somebody who's backstage. Uh, you know, like who else? The Nitro Girls. I I don't know. Right. All right, I like mind. Spice. I thought she was nice. Uh, not really an announcer, but more of a commentator. I, I go with Gordon Soley because again, he was like the voice of my childhood. It's like him or Jim Ross would be the commentator that went up if we was picking commentators, because you know, a, a, right. a Gordon Soley was my early childhood, and Jim Ross kind of segue from that right into the rest of it. But I mean, yeah. Mean Gene was yeah, always yeah, exactly, there, too. You know. And he was yeah, entertaining the so. shit, especially towards the end of his run with WCW, where he stopped giving a shit, and right. he would just get up in the damn wrestler faces talking shit back to them. That was fucking just golden right? and hysterical. I missed all that then. Yeah. I don't YouTube, remember that. It's up there. Of course, now that we said it's on YouTube, then the, the damn network will take it down. Or the Peacock will take it down. Whoever fucking has rights to take it down will take it down at this point. Well, if it's on YouTube, it'd be YouTube. Well, yeah, but the person that holds the actual rights to the footage has to complain to YouTube to get YouTube to take it down. Well, YouTube don't give a shit until somebody complains about it that has authority to complain about it. If YouTube could get away with it and nobody complained, I'm sure they'd have porno up there. 
due to some technical difficulties because of us talking about porn <laughs> on YouTube and the big man with the sensor, we're going to have to hurry up and take this one home. Thank you for joining us for the Call It On The Air podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Leave a five-star review and share us with all your friends. You can contact us by dropping us an email at callitonairpodcast at gmail.com.